Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. So the title of the talk is uh, The Big Shift, Learning to Open to Experience. Um, There is a, a deeply ingrained habit, tendency of mind, to contract in relationship to experience. If we don't like something, if it's either unpleasant or annoying or um, frightening or threatening, uh, the natural tendency that most humans have is to contract away from it, is to recoil is to distance ourselves, protect ourselves, um, react with aggression sometimes. And that is um, not only human, but it can be a very healthy thing. Um, sometimes we, we need to, well, always we need to take care of ourselves. But that instinct to move away from experience when it's not particularly threatening, when it's simply unpleasant, um, just deepens that habit of contraction. And while it's a healthy thing to do to protect ourselves, there is a a price to pay for... um, that habit of contracting in relationship to the unpleasant. Because contraction, um, when it's not necessary, uh, is, um, leads to states of, um, of suffering. Um, all the, uh, unwholesome states, akusala, uh, are, states of contraction, um, fear, judgment, aversion, irritation, annoyance. Um, the body gets contracted, the mind gets contracted, the heart gets contracted. <clears throat> and when the experience is pleasant, when it's a sweet moment, delicious moment, um, one that we are enjoying uh, very much. There's the usual response, again, quite human response, quite understandable and natural response to contract around it, to want to 
possess it or to want to hold on to it, uh, not want it to go. In most instances, uh, this is the natural response that, that we have to the pleasant. <clears throat> and again, this too is cultivating the uh, reaction of grasping, of attachment. Again, akusala, un, unwholesome state. And that word unwholesome, uh, not to let it trip you up because it sounds like you know, you're being bad. Um, it's just a state of um, reinforcing that habit of uh, distancing, uh, no, in this case, possessing and grasping. Um, and in the long run, you know, it's, it's not going to be satisfying because um, if that's your usual response to the pleasant, then that's the habit that happens in every time or most of the time when things are pleasant, we hold on to them. This is the second noble truth. The cause of suffering is attachment, is wanting. <clears throat> And the Buddha um, said in the, in the Foundations of Mindfulness, the Discourse on Foundations of Mindfulness, um, the, the second foundation of mindfulness is, uh, as we've talked about it here before, is noticing the pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neutrality of experience, what's called Vedana, if you're not familiar with the term, V-E-D-A-N-A, the feeling, often translated as the feeling tone of experience, um, that is the flavor of either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And the, the Buddha said, this is a really important area to understand because if we can shift from that natural, habitual response of pushing away or protecting ourselves, contracting, distancing ourselves from the unpleasant, or grasping, trying to possess the the pleasant, we are actually um, breaking the, the, the cycle of suffering in the um, the wheel of dependent origination, this is where the, the chain gets broken, where something is pleasant and instead of grasping, there's simply an appreciation of it. Or if something is unpleasant, instead of pushing away, there is a willingness to, um, to have a different relationship with it where we can learn from it what we need to learn, uh, but not tightening away from. So he said, this is really the key. And it's one thing to not push away or not contract around or not get caught in holding on to experience. There's a further step that one can 
consciously bring to practice, which is um, learning to open in relationship to experience. It's kind of implicit in that non-contraction, but to consciously open to experience really is going against the grain or going against the stream, as it's sometimes put, in relationship to our, um, our present moment, so that when things are difficult, to learn to open to it and say, okay, this is what this moment is about. Let me open, let me understand, let me grow, let me wake up, let me have a, a, a new relationship as long as it's not a dangerous situation, you don't want to go into uh, into harm's way. But that habitual re- reaction to say, "Okay, let me open and see what this is about. Let me open and find a healthy relationship to experience." And if something is really sweet, really delicious. It's not that you want to be careful not to let yourself enjoy it. Uh, You know, I wrote a book, Awakening Joy, uh, and I'm all for really being here for the pleasant moments. In fact, I highly recommend not missing them. Don't space out on them. They're gifts. It's a little um, present from the universe. Present moment from the universe. Oh, and here's a, a, uh, a moment of, of kindness. Here's a moment of uh, somebody smiling at you. Here's a, a moment where there's just a beautiful sunset. Here's a moment of a piece of music that really touches the heart. Here's a moment of um, deep peace. The Buddha said, this is a really good thing to open up to those pleasant moments, particularly the, the wholesome pleasant moments. You know, If it's, oh, that dessert was really good three times will make it even better. (laughs) We've gone a little bit too far. But to open to experience, open to the, the pleasant moment of experience, means to fully appreciate it without contracting around it. Just knowing that this is going to come and go, and it's not going to ultimately give you lasting satisfaction, which is why you want to really be here for it while it's here, but without the holding on. And so to open to experience means not only letting yourself connect with it, but allowing it to pass when it does. That line by uh, 
lake to uh, to kiss the joy as it as it flies. <clears throat> so this is a, a radical thing that actually is really at the heart of practice instead of that habitual tendency to contract either away from or around, we're really learning to open up to the moment if it's unpleasant, to have the courage, to have the um, balance, to have the curiosity, to have the wisdom, to have the compassion that allows us to meet the difficult and open to it, which gives us tremendous inner confidence and strength the more we can find the resources to go against the grain like that. And if it's a very sweet, beautiful moment to fully be here and see the difference between appreciating and attachment. And if you keep that in mind as a kind of ongoing principle, then uh, it kind of, it doesn't, matter so much what the moment is about, you're learning to open to that experience in that way. Uh, and whatever is called for that allows you to do that, uh, this, is, this is really uh, strong conditioning and practice. So I wanted to talk particularly about a few qualities of mind and heart that support this opening to experience. Uh, These are not going to be uh, new to you, but you might consider that you're actually cultivating these qualities um, whenever you're skillfully practicing and that you can also consciously call on them when you are... um, in danger of getting uh, a little bit out of balance and contracting. Mm -hmm. So the first quality of mind and heart uh, that I find so important to to consciously keep in mind is uh, the quality or the, the heart quality of forgiveness. This is the antidote to the complaining mind, which is easily activated when the judging mind starts to um, starts to uh, take over. I don't like this moment. It shouldn't be like this. If I were running the universe, I'd be doing a much better job than this. This is some kind of warped sense of humor of some cosmic joke. Why is this happening? And we can feel it to 
towards ourselves. We can be so harsh towards ourselves, as I'm sure most everybody here knows well. We can be frustrated or harsh towards others. And we can be frustrated, easily frustrated at life. Why is this happening? And so, just want to spend a little time first on this quality of forgiveness and see how in the meditation and also um, in our life, it can be a real um, key to learning to open to our experience. And when you, when you sit in meditation, you have a lot of opportunities to practice forgiveness. Like every time you realize that your mind has wandered, you know, how do you relate to it? What's your response? Is it, oh darn, there I am wandering again. Gosh, everybody around I'm sure is in deep samadhi and I'm just spacing out. You know? It's painful. So every single time that your mind wanders, it's a very profound moment, can be. It's a very profound practice to not take it personally. To just realize, I'm doing the best I can here. If I had any control over things, I'd just be right there on the breath or right here in the moment with ease and connection and balance. But you don't. If you do, let me know. But most of us, you don't. The mind just does its thing. But how you relate to the fact when you realize it's gone is the key to the whole process. Every time you judge it, you are taking it personally, and you are having the misunderstanding that you have control over this mind that just has a mind of its own. And every time you can forgive yourself for realizing, and when you realize, I'm doing the best I can, and this is all I can do. Can I do any better than my best? I don't think so. Every time, it's right there in the wandering mind. So rather than feeling discouraged every time you notice your mind wandering, fantastic, this is an opportunity to cultivate a very healthy attitude. It's not taking it personally. How are you in relationship to your body when it annoys you or doesn't cooperate? Why does my knee hurt? You know, why is my if only my my back would behave or my neck or whatever the particular condition you might be dealing with. 
how do you relate to it? Is it a source of frustration? Is it a source of disappointment? Are you, in some subtle way or not subtle way, taking it personally and thinking, why isn't my body cooperating with me and getting annoyed or angry with it? You are missing the point that your body follows its own laws. You can do what you can. You can take care of it. Hopefully you would take care of it in a skillful way. But no matter what you do, you are subject to illness, old age, and death. That's part of the package. Even the Buddha, as we've said a number of times, even the Buddha had backaches, and he'd tell Sariputta to, to give the discourse, or, and I've read that he had headaches, and he had different kind of ailments. It's just part of being in this body. How do you relate to it? Can you forgive it? And if you understand anything about healing, then you know that if you get angry at your body, all that does is tighten, of course. And when there's tightness, there's pain, and there's not healing. When you can bring kindness and forgiveness and appreciation to whatever that area is. There's space. The love itself is healing. Oh, yes. And realizing, oh, this body part is doing the best it can to serve me. And yet, here I am uh, in pain. How can I send some good energy to this body part or to this body instead of getting frustrated. This is, again, opening to the experience instead of contracting in relationship to it. And forgiveness also for the habits of mind that we see all too clearly again and again when you start to take a look. It's one of the It's one of the prices to pay that when you start to pay attention, you're going to see all the things that are normally under the radar. You know, oh, there I am, caught in pettiness again. Jeez, you know, I thought I'm a spiritual person. Or here I am, lost in my confusion or my loneliness or my sadness or my anger. How do you relate to that? Do you add the second arrow on top of the first? The first one, it's painful enough as it is, and the second one, oh, I'm so pathetic for having this experience. This is not such good practice. But in a moment where you see, oh, this is just habits of mind, This is just habits of heart. They've been practiced a long time this way. And when you can see it with that kind 
compassionate heart. Mm. You've changed around that frustration into a very skillful, wise understanding, compassionate understanding. Mm-hmm. I, it's been a while since uh, I think I've mentioned here one of my main practices for, for a couple of years, for about a two-year period, my main practice was noticing the judging mind Not that it's gone, um, but I have a very different relationship to it now than I used to, and it was really it was really hard. I could just see as many people you know just how hard I could be on myself because I've got a pretty good judging mind, maybe even better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> if one if one were to judge uh-huh. and uh i saw oh wow how can i deal with this habit it keeps on coming again and i'm just once you start looking for it you see it everywhere you know so that is a price to pay for becoming more aware you see all the ways that you get lost and particularly if you're looking for how you get lost. It's kind of like uh, the um, um, psych major syndrome. I was a psych major when I, when I was uh, going to school, and we used to... Have, the most fascinating course, of course, was abnormal psychology, you know? And there were some amazing different ways that the mind can get caught. And you read it, you know, you see that neurosis, oh yeah, that's me. You know? <laughs> and then you're reading the next chapter, you know, oh yeah, that's me too. You know, you you see whatever you're looking for, yep, that's me too. Because you'll, as you start to look for it, you'll find those tendencies. And in the same way, when you start to look and say, gosh, I wonder how much judgment there is in the mind, you're going to see it everywhere. Right, And then, of course, you completely get wrapped up in it when you start seeing it and then judging it. There's another judgment. Oh no, I just did it again. And there's no way out. So I, at one point, my main practice was relating to the judging mind in a different way. Some of you have heard this before. This is my main practice. Uh, and uh, I invite you to, to play around with it if you can relate to it. Uh, suppose you've just caught yourself judging. Just try this. And close your eyes. And there you are. You just saw a judging thought. And instead of getting down on yourself... Just uh, take your hand and put it on your cheek. And first just feel the tenderness in your hand. And as if you were the kindest, most loving, wise being, as you 
caress yourself in this in the kindest voice silently saying oh judging judging like it's okay just judging and let yourself feel the tenderness through your hand that's opening to the experience, that unpleasant experience, which becomes a springboard for compassion. That was my main practice for about two years. And it wasn't like I I did this each time. I did do it a lot at the beginning, or when I'd forget and I'd start to hear the harshness in my tone, there's something physiologically powerful about just touching yourself tenderly. It's very similar to the self-compassion practice that I've shared here uh, a lot in recent, recent times. But besides this, it started to become the tone that I'd be naming in my mind. That's the key. It's not so much the noticing it's the kindness in the noticing. Oh, judging. It's okay, dear. And there you are. Every time, then it started at some point when I, I, it started to become more habitual, I, um, I get excited at notice a, noticing a judging thought. You know? Oh, good. Another chance to practice compassion. It just flips the whole thing around. So instead of it being a problem, oh, this is learning to open directly in such a, a wise way to the difficult. It's okay, dear. This is just like a, a parent would do to a, a, a child having a meltdown. Scolding is not the way. Calm down, you, you know. Stop being so upset. Oh, okay. Thank, thanks for reminding me. You know. No, it's, it's okay, dear. It's okay. It's what I used to do with, with my son Adam when he'd have a meltdown. That was, uh, that was a really powerful practice that we would share together when he, would, he had meltdown almost daily the first three or four years of his life. He's turning 30 on Saturday. <laughs> Amazing. How did that happen? But when he'd, when he'd start to have a, a meltdown, and when I'd remember it, we had this little routine. Hey, hey, sweetie. Would you like me to tell you the people who love you? And he'd say, yeah. And I'd say, Mommy loves you, and Daddy loves you, and Grandma loves you, and Aunt Susan loves you. And just little by little, he'd melt just in, in my arms. Mm-hmm. The better moments when I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was after I sometimes would say, Adam, enough! <laughs> oh, yes, we're both having a little meltdown. <laughs> Let me tell you the people who love you. Uh, mm. So that's what 
you're doing to, instead of contracting around experience, you're holding it with, with a tender heart. So forgiveness is really a foundational practice in the meditation, both in the sitting meditation and the more you practice it in seeing your own mind, the more you start to understand that when others get lost, they just got, they're just believing in their own mind. They're just getting activated by their, old, their own habits that uh, they don't really have much control over. So in your own forgiving yourself, it starts to translate into forgiving those around you. And as probably many of you have experienced, it just starts happening that you're a little bit more patient and spacious and understanding with others around you. How many people have noticed that as they practice, they've been a little bit more patient with, with people in, in general? That's cool, isn't it? <clears throat> Don't make every moment a pass-fail test because, you know, because we can forget, especially those closest to us who we have a strong investment or who we know our dance with so well. But uh, in general, that's the trajectory of, of the heart greater and greater forgiveness. And in the same way, forgiving ourselves and forgiving others leads to forgiving life too. Things are the way they are. Things are the way they are. If we can do something about it, great. Do it. If you can't, and this is how things are, then you have two choices. Either wish they were different and tie yourself up into a knot of frustration and complaint, or somehow accept, okay, this is how it is. How can I grow from this in this? That's the that's the uh, the ultimate gift of practice when you can't change things out there. Okay, how can I change things in here so that I have a bit more space and I'm not fighting myself, and I can somehow come to terms and understand that life is really out of my control sometimes. And I'm all for doing everything we can with courage and energy to uh, make, uh, make things right. But if you can't, then it's just too painful. You're caught up in wishing it were different when that cuts off skillful response. Okay. So opening up to experience, opening up to life, means mm, being willing for anything to happen.
do what you do, but be willing to somehow find the space that says, mm, okay, and this too. You know, and here, whatever is going on in your mind these days about our, our world, who knows what's around the corner? You, know, you do whatever you can to make things go in the direction that feels aligned with your values, hopefully in the Dharma, for the greater good. But mm, there's something about trust in the bigger picture that gives us a sense that no matter what, I will be able to my awareness will meet the moment when it needs to. And I can still keep growing, even through the most difficult. And that includes whether it's a current political situation or the planet. Who knows what's going to happen? But you do everything you can uh, until proven otherwise, I'm an old sports fan, you know, that it's not over until it's over, so you just do what you can, uh, and you never know. I mean, look at the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> do you need anything more? Down three to one, too. And I come from uh, my, as much as my lineage is the, is the Buddha and the Beatles. Uh, it's also sports and um, mm, the, the New York Mets when nobody thought there was a prayer in the world and all of a sudden everybody started taking up this chant that uh, Tug McGraw, the great relief pitcher, said, you got to believe. And they had, it was... It was a thousand to one at the beginning of the of the season that they would that they would have any chance of winning, and um, they just kept on winning. You don't know, but being willing to open up to whatever happens, there's a kind of courage that you're not lost in fear and contraction. There's a a line I love from uh, Seneca, the uh, great Roman philosopher. He said, um, we cease to fear when we um, cease to hope because hope is always accompanied by fear. Now, I hope that things turn out the way I want, but if the hope is, oh my God, I don't know if I'll be able to survive, if not, then there's a fear there instead of a a sense of courage to open up to the moment. So forgiveness is a very key element in practice. Another quality of heart that helps us learn how to open to experience, one of the ten paramis, perfections, is... Patience. 
patience is tremendously powerful. Not patience that's saying, okay, they said everything was going to change, so let's get on with it, and you know, when's it going to change? But patience to, again, the uh, one dimension of patience is to just let things unfold in their own way. And trust that there's a continual unfolding. And the more we are impatient and topple forward, the more contracted we are. And there's something very spacious and opening about patience. As uh, Jack used to say, uh, the spiritual journey requires a cup of wisdom, a barrel of love, and an ocean of patience. It's really, it's a good one. You know, you don't need a whole lot of wisdom. Just enough to see where happiness and peace lies. You don't need to be a saint as far as a loving, just enough loving heart, enough of valuing of kindness to keep you in the right direction. And the patience means to let go of your timetable and just know if you're facing in the right direction, that's enough. First time I did a, a long retreat, a three-month retreat, I, in a little, after I, a, a few days, I was saying, what did I sign up for? And my mind was going, oh my goodness, 11 weeks, three days, 15 hours, 20 minutes to go. I'm never going to make it. And I was really scared. Um, Fortunately, somebody gave a talk about patience just around then. Saved me. And every time I'd see myself doing that, toppling forward, I'd just come back and see, oh, it's happening right now. You know, the old watched pot never boils. Well, the watched finish line never gets there. It does eventually, but not if you... Imagine spending three months looking for the finish line. That's not why one would sign up for a three-month retreat, to see if we can make it. But to know that, oh, it's happening right now. Here's a little exercise that I, I, I love to do with people. Just suppose something you're looking forward to is right out in front of you. Think of something in your mind right now, that in, in your life, that you really are looking forward to happening. You know, maybe next Tuesday, or maybe uh, or maybe your next vacation, or whatever, or encounter with someone you're looking forward to. Okay, now, have it in your mind, and now you open your eyes, and just imagine it's right out in front of you, and if you can reach, you'll have instant gratification. So, just play along. Maybe you've done this before with me, but just to 
do it again. And just really go for it. Say, come on, if you really want, go for it. If you can reach, real, you, can, you can lean forward, lean forward. <laughs> and now just feel what that's like right now and realize you're not going to get it. So now very slowly, very slowly, come back to center, to this moment, and notice the difference. Can you feel the difference? This is really quite unpleasant, as seductive as it might be. This is, oh, here we are in the present moment. Oh, this is this is an okay place to be. Uh, so patience is really huge in doing this. It is one of the ten perfections. After um, generosity, morality, uh, yeah, I think it's the third one. The third perfection is patience. Um, really key, and you're learning it every time. You let go of your agenda. This is something that the Dalai Lama, he was asked, what's the difference between, can you name a major difference between Western students and, and Asian students? And he said, yeah, patience. You know. and which makes sense. You know, we're so into what some, sometimes people refer as McDharma. You know? <laughs> Let's go, you know. I've been practicing a month already. Still not enlightened, you know. And he says, if you're going to look over, over your practice to look over a five or ten year period of time instead of one week to another or one month to another, that there's a, a general shift in that direction. So patience is really uh, a profound power of mind that helps us to open to the moment just as it is. Okay, forgiveness, patience. I'll mention one, one more. <clears throat> I might mention more than one, but the one, one that comes up right now. Sense of humor. Really big. Having a sense of humor, it might seem like a silly little thing. It's a big, it's a silly big thing. Mm. Because if you can have a sense of humor around this mind or around the insanity of events, then it means you're in on the joke instead of the butt of the joke. (laughs) Makes all the difference in the world if it's, you know, God damn, look at my mind. Uh, uh, uh. Very painful. But if you go, wow, look at the mind. It's amazing. It's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> really makes a difference. 
if you can laugh at the insanity of this mind, then it means you're not taking it personally. Which is really the essence of freedom. So although it might seem like a silly little thing to be able to laugh at your mind, it means it's not just you. You're looking at the mind, as Stephen Levine used to say, instead of my mind. Oh, look at my mind. Oh, look at the mind. Isn't it amazing? And so you can be a lot more playful around the practice, which is huge. If you can be playful and not take your mind so seriously, there's a spaciousness there and there's a willingness to open to the whole show with, uh, with ease and, and lightness. And it means opening to the whole show. That's how you wake up. There's a, a, a line I love by Robert Bly, a great poet, who says, um, every part of our personality that we do not learn to embrace will become hostile to us. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you, if you see your anger and you get you get angry at your anger, your anger becomes the enemy. Or if you get uh, frustrated by your frustration, you know, or sadness or loneliness is the, any one of those can be the enemy or can be um, a source of deep understanding. And so humor makes a, a huge difference in this. Yeah, and I'll see if I'll, I'll tell the story. It's been a while since I've shared it here on, uh, on one retreat where I saw the power of, of humor, um, or at least of lightening up. I had this, um, this, so- this song that was, uh, I often have songs that are stuck in my, in your head on retreat. It's very common. Anybody ever have songs stuck in their head on retreat? Yeah, yeah. If you've, had, if you've done a retreat, quite common. I, I've thought of putting together a, a five-CD boxed set of <laughs> s- songs that I couldn't get out of my head, you know, one time or another. I had a, this one song um, that was stuck in my head. First time I did... A, a long retreat, a three-month retreat from uh, Bob Dylan. I was a huge Bob Dylan fan, and it was you know, one of his most brilliant, depressing songs uh, that I loved uh, from the Blonde on Blonde album uh, called Visions of Johanna, if you know it. And it goes, uh, Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when we try to be so quiet? We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. This is on a three-month retreat. (laughs) And it went on, on and on. We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. For one 
solid week. It just kept on replaying over and over and over that verse. (laughs) Magically, after a week, the needle, it (laughs) it was the days of vinyl in my mind, jumped to a later verse (laughs) that starts out, Oh, little boy lost, he takes himself so seriously. It was like the sky opened up. Oh, little boy lost, he takes himself so seriously. That's what's going on. I am getting really intense and serious about this whole thing. Time to lighten up. It was, it was the greatest. The rest of the retreat, the, what happened was then a new song came on, <laughs> a really good song, one of the all-time best songs to ever get stuck in my head, Take It Easy. <laughs> and it went, take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. Don't even try to understand. I played that line over and over. Lighten up while you still can. Clear sailing. At least for the next few weeks. So... Having a sense of humor, I saw for myself just how powerful it is to just shift from from getting stuck in the rut. I'm not talking about putting a smiley smile on your face when things are when there's grieving that's called for, or when it's painful and there's loss or there's fear or there's it's important to be able to open up to all of that. Absolutely having the courage to open to it. But if you're just stuck in a rut, that's when humor makes a big shift. Oh yeah, just I can open up to this. I don't have to be so afraid. I can just lighten up while I still can. And then having the courage to face the difficult, this is tremendously empowering. And when you think about it, you've survived everything up until this moment, haven't you? What makes you think, uh-oh, I've survived everything up till now, not this one. It's just a misunderstanding. And every time you've gone through a difficult challenge and have made it through, don't forget you have what it takes to get through, and it can give you a bit more willingness and courage to open up to the moment. This is another key to opening, learning to open, to somehow we find ourselves with, we, we find qualities inside that we didn't know we had in us when we're willing to open up to the difficult. One one last one that I'll I'll mention and then we can open it up is gratitude. This is the container, as I think of it, the container for us to be willing to open up to the difficult. 
if we only look at what's wrong and we only see uh, what can go wrong, then it gets very overwhelming. And there's so, it's so easy to get caught in, in the suffering of life and to miss all the beauty, all the beauty, all the goodness, all the blessings is really unfortunate because then when we can see it as as one teacher says gratitude is like putting out your satellite dish you know that if you're busy grumbling and complaining oh that's wrong and that's wrong and I don't want that then there's no room for all the blessings to get in but when you go yes thank you so much to life then we open ourselves up and, and can receive the blessings and it gives a greater context, a greater container to process all the, all the challenges in life. So all of those are learning to open the heart to our experience. And they all, at their root, have a kind of friendliness, a kind of um, um, meta attitude towards life. A, a line that I love from uh, Einstein. He says, "Perhaps the most important question a human being can ask him or herself is: Is the universe friendly or not? And if we see it as friendly, it will respond. And if we see only danger, it will also um, be, we'll see what we look for. But to really see, okay, let me see in every moment there's something for me to learn here, then it becomes friendly. It becomes, this is what taking refuge in the Dharma is about, that every moment in life counts. We either can experience the goodness or we wake up to the challenges. And so I just really hope that you see your practice in this context of learning to open to experience. That's the big shift in our practice. We don't have to contract around or away from. We can have every moment count when we can find that courage and that friendliness. So we have some a few minutes if there's any comments, observations, questions. Going once. Nice. Hang on. Yeah, Carrie. Hold on a second. Um when my mind wanders off, lately I've gotten to kind of a collaborative relationship with it, like, are you done yet? Um, are, what was it? Are, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Done. Oh, you're not? Okay, whatever. But, but, I'm, but, I, but it's like I'm really kind of detached from it as if it's, a, as, as if it's well, got a mind of its own, which I guess it does. But it feels a little bit weird to me, and I never know how to think about the fact that I'm like, you know, it's as if it's a pet or some some you know <laughs> playful creature that um, 
you know, it's, it, okay, all right, you want to tell yourself that story? All right, go ahead, and I'll just go off in a story for a while. Now are you done? So I, I just, I'm not sure, like, how to think about the fact that I have this kind of relationship with my mind, yeah. but it's a, like, it looks like an external entity. Well, if you think of it that it's, it's not you that are, you, if you take ownership of those, where do those thoughts come from? Are you making, are you saying, oh, I'm going to just think of some pretty mundane thoughts? No, no, it just comes here. And sometimes it'll start doing it, and then I'll go, and it'll, I'll, I'll, it'll, it's like my mind and I will look at each other, and I'll just go, That's, you don't even want to think about that. That's so boring. So it's, it, it just kind of does its thing. It just know? does its thing. Yeah. It just, you know that, 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 uh, that, that great instruction that Joseph has. He says, if you're, if you're bothered by your thoughts or annoyed by them, just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. <laughs> it works, because then you're not taking it personally. You know, Oh, I think I'll have a few boring thoughts right now. No, it's just, it just does its thing. That's the beauty of it, of seeing it that way, that you don't have to take ownership of that. It's just doing its thing. How freeing. And if you want to have a relationship with it, I suggest having a really loving relationship. And, you know, you probably are familiar with the puppy dog image. You've heard that one, right? You don't know? Like, you know, you, there you are. You, you're training a puppy to stay on some paper. And you don't want it to jump out on people or jump out into the street. So you put it on the paper. And what happens? <laughs> Runs, runs off, and you bring it back. Come on now, stay. And then it runs away in a moment. Come on back, stay. You don't want to beat it for wandering off. It doesn't know any better. It's a cute little puppy dog. But if you bring it back in a loving way, after a while, it starts to get the idea. Think of your mind as a cute, frisky, energetic puppy dog. Or maybe boring puppy dog, whatever. Just, okay, come on back. Because in that not taking it personally, there's freedom there. So I, I would really notice any kind of, okay, come on, are you done yet? And change it to, it's okay, sweetie, come on back. Like that. Therein lies a huge um, transformation, how you relate to that mind. And also to see it's not just Carrie's mind, you are exploring the human experience. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so let's uh let's close with a little bit of loving kindness. First for the uh have appreciation for the Whatever it is in you that would bring you to uh, an evening to sit with others and just take a look inside and be kind to this mind and body to cultivate wisdom and clarity and courage. That's pretty good karma that you're even interested in that. And appreciate yourself. 
May I connect with all the goodness inside and share it with the world skillfully. May I have real peace inside and see things clearly. May I know true freedom and genuine happiness and share that with others. And then sending these kinds of thoughts out in all directions to all beings may all see through their confusion and learn to open skillfully to experience. And may all see their goodness and share their love well. May all know the highest happiness and peace. And may our coming here together ripple out in any good that comes from our gathering. May it be shared for the benefit of all. Thank you very much. Have a really good week. Uh, Let's have a really good week. (laughs) See you in a a few weeks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.